Objective existence is the product of the motion of the absolute sentient continuum of power. By its modes of motion, the continuum produces the forms of actuality we know as the world. Motions of translation intersect and at their points of intersection produce rotations which constitute the primary points which aggregate together to produce so-called material bodies. Although the motion of the continuum is necessarily itself continuous, yet it produces within itself, by its own translation, rotational motions which give rise to the phenomenal world of apparently separate bodies. Bodies, as motion complexes of the continuum, cannot actually be separate from each other in any ultimate sense. Every body, as a function of the continuum, is influenced by the motions of the continuum and thus of all other bodies. No bodies are completely isolated or insulated from other bodies. All bodies reciprocally interact within the continuum, which is the plastic power substance of their being. In the infinite continuum of sentient power, the godhead of the theologians, all beings, live, move and have their being. The reality of beings is constituted by the functions of this continuum. To identify with this continuum as pure sentience is to return to the supreme self. The return of absolute sentience to itself is the return of God to God, the return of the relative awareness of man to the infinite sentience is the return of man to God. The consciousness in man is the sentience of the continuum in the zone marked by the constituent motions of man's being. This sentience is the light that lights every man that comes into the world and is man's life force, pure sentient power, consciousness and initiative, God in man, the root of what dignity man may possess and the guarantee of his ultimate return to the self of selves. Resec confers upon man the power to be himself, the power to fulfill the imperative, become what thou art, the power to see time as a function of eternity and to act in time from the essence and form of eternity. How are we to gain and retain reflexive self-consciousness? It can be gained only in an act of will, in which the will of the self returns to itself. Ordinarily, when one looks at an external object or at its internal correspondent in the mind, one tends, if there is an emotional charge upon it, to fall into identification with it. To a certain degree, identification with an object must occur if one is to become aware of its special character and significance. The psyche 
must assume the form of the object in the act of perceiving it. Precisely because of this fact, it is necessary to free oneself again from the object in the resec act. For if one does not return from the object to the self, one remains locked in the object and falls under the law governing the object. For illustration of this, we may look at a man identified with a given functional concept. A soldier is a man identified with such a concept. This concept includes subsidiary concepts such as obedience to superiors, freedom from ethical considerations when acting under orders, yours not to reason why, yours but to do and die, and so on. Thus, when a man is identified with the soldier concept, he goes under the law governing beings identified with that concept. He therefore responds to orders from those conceptualized as his superiors and performs actions which, as a human being, not identified with the soldier concept, he would be ethically unable to do. So, likewise with men identified with concepts in other fields of action, the priest, the king, the politician, the businessman, and so on. Some concepts have universal application. Some have their function only in special fields of action, national, social, institutional, or individual. A concept is an idea or general notion arising from a group of percepts possessing some common factor. A percept may be defined as a simple act of perception, the presentation of a stimulus, a single act of a sense organ, its correspondent brain centre and the psyche conjoined with it. A concept is a group of perceptual elements held together by some similar form. Just as a percept may possess an emotional charge which inclines the psyche to conjoin with it or not, for a percept is a definite amount of characterized energy having a degree of assimilability for a given organism, so a concept may possess an emotional charge which similarly tends to orientate the psyche towards or away from it. Concepts, then, as complex formed energy packets possessing emotional charges, tend to condition the behaviour of the being identified with them. It becomes clear that if we are to retain our freedom, we must gain the power to release ourselves from identification with conceptual forms. This power is what we exercise in the act of reflexive self-consciousness, the return of the self to the self. To gain resec, a certain exercise must be practised in principle continuously, in early practice 
probably intermittently. The exercise itself is simple, but that is not to say that it is for man in his usual orientation easy. The battle to overcome the inertia of man's established direction, his general ego-centered attitude, will not be easily fought, nor should it be. The prize is too high to be gained easily. Here is the exercise. When one is looking at something or considering an idea or experience, a feeling or emotion or performing any action, one must say to oneself, it is the self which is consciousness itself which is looking at this thing or considering this idea, etc. This self I am. I return to the self. On saying it is the self which is consciousness itself, one must make oneself aware that the self is consciousness itself, awareness, sentience. When saying looking at this thing, one must make oneself aware of a directional flow of attention from the consciousness to the thing. On saying, this self I am, I return to the self, one must focus oneself again on the consciousness and again become aware of a directional flow of attention. But now from the thing back to the consciousness self. This back flow of consciousness to the self is what we mean by reflexive self-consciousness. It is the key to man's freedom. To practice RESEC is to change the whole quality of one's perception and conception of the world. It is to rescue oneself from identification with the object world and thus from slavery to the law governing that world. We cannot get lost in things and events of the world or in ideas or emotional states if we are resec. And when we are not lost, we have found ourselves and the self of all selves. The self of all selves is the Godhead of the theologians, the light and life of all selves, the saviour of the world from the world. It is the Parabrahman of the Hindus, the absolute of the philosophers, the centre of every enlightened being. Without Resec, one is identified with the content of consciousness, with the things of the world, with ideas of the mind, with the emotional states of the psyche. One is like a man in a dream, swayed and submerged in a sea of emotions and half-formed images of the world of fantasy. When we identify with something, some idea or some psychic state, our consciousness, which is the individuated expression of the sentient continuum of the Absolute, assumes the form of that thing 
or idea or state. Assuming the form of a thing, the consciousness becomes subject for the period of the assumption to the law governing that thing. To break free from the law which governs the object, one must break identification of consciousness with the object and return to the self which sees it. One may identify with the object, with the subject, or with both simultaneously. When one identifies only with the object, one goes under the law governing the object. One apparently becomes the object, acts and reacts like the object. One is enslaved by the object. When one identifies with the subject only, the object disappears and only the subject remains. The self is there with no otherness. Sentience is there, yet as if it were only a potential. When one identifies simultaneously with both subject and object, both the self and its objects exist. Consciousness and its objects appear then as two poles of the Absolute. But before one can consciously hold oneself in this polarized state of the Absolute, one must return from the object to oneself, from oneself to the self. There is a cyclic process of involution and evolution of sentience. Prior to creation, the infinite, eternal, absolute, sentient motion or power is as if it were a mere potentiality, yet only from the point of view of a finite mind trying to perceive it. For itself, it is a pure, self-actuating motion, without shadow of turning, pure translation of spirit, infinite and eternal. But this pure motion, self-aware, absolute sentient power, by its own essentiality, produces within itself, as the motion of the sea produces waves and intersections of the waves' vortices, the motion modes which constitute the forms we use as reference points for consciousness and which we call bodies. Sentience in the place of any given motion mode tends to fall into identification with it. This is the process of involution of consciousness into the world of finite bodies. A finite body is a motion complex of the absolute sufficiently integrated and compacted to present an appearance to consciousness of contoured substantiality. Actually, it is a modality of the infinite motion of the absolute.